0: Have you noticed that there's a lot fewer people in church? Where'd they all go? Do you think they're coming back? I want to be wrong. I hope and pray that I am wrong. But what I know, and more importantly, what I feel, tells me they're not coming back. Not all of them. Not by a long shot. And I think you know it, too.
1: I think we all know it. These are the challenging words of Dan Salucci, CEO at the Catholic Leadership Institute, and this is OSV Talks, a show where we explore topics from prominent Catholic leaders to spark discussion, explore new or re-explore old approaches, and inspire creative thinking, all from the heart of the church. My name is Doug Tuke, and I will be your host. I've been studying the practices
0: and beliefs of mass going Catholics for the last decade. And about a third of us would say we have been practicing really a faith of habit. And the habit's been broken. We might have to recognize that we can't remain in a status quo. That instead of choosing to change, we actually might be forced to change. What are the if then statements for you if they don't come back? Perhaps it's that your priesthood has been so defined by events, and now if we can't do events, well, how do you do priesthood? Maybe your job at the parish or the diocese is in jeopardy. What will you do? Maybe it's this ministry that you have poured your whole life into that can't continue, at least not the way that it did. What happens to all that sweat equity? Or perhaps it's your beloved church where you were married where you had your children baptized? Were you mourned a loved one? What if it closes its doors forever? What if you have to go somewhere else? Our first Holy Father, St. Peter, exhorts us to always have a reason ready for our hope. We are a people who believe that nothing is impossible with God. Our Holy Father today reminds us that no one can go into battle unless he is convinced of victory beforehand. We know victory has already been won. We know the reason for our hope. We are people who ask, what if, not with fear, but with amazement in God's power and goodness. You know, it has always struck me that the early church had one huge advantage over us. They had nothing to lose but their lives. Think about it. Success stories, the stories of saints, are usually people who started with nothing but certainly weren't afraid to lose everything. But what if we lose everything? What if we had something to offer? The most important question is not what if they don't come back? The most important question is what if God is calling me to something greater? We know he is. So maybe the real most important question is how will I respond?
1: Dan was one of our featured speakers for OSV Talks, filmed before a live studio audience during the week of October 5th through the 9th. We also had the privilege of interviewing him about his convictions and teaching experiences. His full talk is available at osvtalks.com. His message is titled, What If They Don't Come Back? In a post COVID reality, Will people really return to church? In his OSV talk, Dan Salucci provides a convicting and passionate assessment of Catholic ministry efforts and the embracing of a new reality of church life. Dan, I'm just curious, what is your audience here? Like what prompted you to want to ask these hard and, and really challenging questions? I'm talking to myself. I mean, to be honest, I
0: I am talking about the fear that I feel, um, you know, the fear that I have as a, as a husband and a father of four little ones. Um, you know, the last, uh, public speech I gave before the pandemic started was, um, actually to this room full of people on a in a hotel on a beach. And, um, they asked me to describe the Catholic church in four minutes or less. And basically the metaphor I used, and again, this was before the pandemic started, was there's this giant tsunami coming toward us and we're all on the beach and some of us are sitting on the beach and we don't even know it's coming. We're just building our sandcastles like we always have. Some of us have seen it coming and we've turned around and we've started to run, but you can't outrun a tsunami. Some of us have just put our hands up and said, you know, take me, Lord, I'm ready to go. And at 38 years old and four children, I'm saying, does anybody want to learn how to surf? Right? Because we got to ride this wave and I think we can ride it, uh, but I think it's going to require us taking risks, um, challenging that fear that I talked about in the talk. And, and again, I'm talking to myself most, um, most importantly, that, that I need to be willing to take those risks for the gospel, need to be willing to try to surf. So um, I, I think that's primarily what who I'm speaking to is really, if I'm honest, I think the other thing is, I think right now we see people who are afraid, whether they be church leaders or people in our parishes and their reaction is to stand still. And I, I don't think we can do that. I think we have to keep moving forward um, and figuring it out. And I think we've seen so many great examples of parishes and people and church leaders figuring it out. Uh, But that's always been our call as a people is to be a pilgrim people to get to the next place to figure it out. And so um, one of the other things I think that we really need to watch against is just trying to wait this out um, because we don't know how long it's going to take and we don't know if things are ever going to go back. And as I said in the talk, we don't want to go back. We want to go forward.
1: So you say things like people are going to mass out of habit. Is that bad? Is that a, is that a bad habit? Like say more about that.
0: I saw that before uh, COVID, before COVID, we, we see about anywhere between 27 to 30% of mass going people saying that they're going out of habit. Um, and that's good that they've been coming, but, but I think it's challenging when the habit's been broken and, uh, and then now they're not coming. And, and so I think we have to be really clear about the fact that we're going to have to double down our efforts to bring them back. Um, and that's not even including the going out and getting those folks who weren't coming before the pandemic, right? So, so I, just have to, I, I just have this concern um, that I w- want to kind of share as widely as possible to just say, let's not get too comfortable in this reality, because this reality is far starker than what we had before. And what we had before wasn't great either.
1: So what are our action steps? What is it that we're needing to do? What, what's got to change Culturally, what's the difference now between then that we can address in real time in a relevant way?
0: I mean, everybody likes to use Vatican II or 1965 as kind of a, this, this benchmark year. But even if you look at 1990, Catholic marriages are down 55% since 1990. Uh, one in five children who are baptized won't see their first Holy Communion. Two in five uh, that are baptized won't make it to confirmation. I mean, this was pre-COVID. Um, and so, one of our supporters, uh, Catholic Leadership Institute, said, "You know, everybody talks about the priest problem—the shortage of priests in the country. Well, uh, pretty soon that's not going to be an issue because we're not going to have anybody in the pews." I think it's a wake-up call. I think it's it is catalyzing those downward trends. But I think it's an opportunity to innovate. I think it's an opportunity to take some risks. I think it's an opportunity to jar people out of their complacency and to recognize that we all have, by nature of our baptism a responsibility to, to go and bring people home. Um, that's always been true, and it's even more true now. We know f- for the research on millennials in particular, they want relevance. Um, they want authenticity. And so they're asking the question, well, what role does this church play in my life? And if it hasn't played a role in six or seven months, and I haven't felt a difference. Uh, well, then, you know, in their minds, why would I come back? Um, and, and certainly we know that the church is relevant. We know that faith matters. We know that the Lord is the center of our lives. But for, for a generation that, that hasn't necessarily rejected religion, they haven't necessarily even had an experience of it to know uh, what they're missing. I don't think we can give up on them yet. I think we have to really, as I said, double down and, and go after them really intentionally to bring them home.
1: What does that mean? To go after them sounds like a pretty progressive step and a pretty difficult one for people that maybe have never experienced any kind of evangelization before.
0: I think we have to remember what's relevant. And what's relevant is the relationship. I mean if you read the writings of the our current holy father and the last two holy fathers, uh they talk about the faith as a relationship. And I think for a lot of our parishes, a lot of our ministries, a lot of our priests, a lot of our people, uh religion, faith is somewhat a series of events. And I think this is where what we saw kind of a great winnowing in this pandemic was the parishes or the priests or the leaders who were focused on the relationship as primary, their relationship with the Lord, but their relationship with their people, I think they're doing pretty well. I think they're holding their own. I think in some cases they're even growing. Um, the folks who, for whom it, uh, faith and religion was about a series of events, a, a parish calendar, an Oktoberfest, no matter how fun it was, uh, you know those tools have been robbed from us right now, and so I think they're sitting there saying, "Well, what do we do now?" Uh, and that's where I think then you see people saying, "Well, what does it matter? right What have I missed?" Um, what people who I think are are coming back are saying is, "I miss the relationship. I miss the relationship uh, certainly the relationship with the Lord is, is always present, but the relationship with the community of faith gathered to worship the Lord that's what people Uh, that's what's relevant. That's what people are missing and what people are yearning for. And if that was true for them before the pandemic because their parish was providing that, well, then they're going to be hungering for it. Um, If they never felt that before, then they don't know what they're missing. But I think if we can offer that to them, uh, I think they'll want to explore more. While social media brings a lot of opportunities, it brings a lot of fake relationships, a lot of, uh, you know, uh imagined kind of presentations of what reality should look like as opposed to what reality does look like. And and we're not called to kind of like all the good ev- events of our lives and right. and all those kind of things that we choose to share. We're called to be in it with each other in all of it, right? Uh, as the Lord is. And so so I think I think what gives me hope is that uh I think younger generations realize that something is missing from their life. I think you see that with Uh, rates of of mental illness and suicide, which is just tragic. But I think that's a crying out for a real relationship. And we can offer that as a church. So I think our parishes have to model that. And that's hard because I think we've gotten into a rhythm or a rut of providing that calendar, uh, that series of kind of events that we can plan on and count on and that people want. Um, And and they have some goodness, but I, I think if they lack the underlying sense of why we're doing it to cultivate relationship, I think they're empty.
1: It seems to me that at the heart of what you're asking for is a, a powerful invitation to leadership, both laity and clergy. Can you say more about that? I think um, one of the dangers of, Leading an apostolate, or working
0: for a parish, or working for a diocese, or working for OSV, is that um, while you care very much about the work and the mission, uh, you become, you can become a little bit self-focused, right? You can become about, well, how hard am I working, and who's not working as hard as me, and what do I need for my life, and what I want, and 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 I think there's a trap there because uh, really the laity is called, um, and this is this is what Vatican II from my read of it was all about, we're supposed to be out in the world. Um, and so uh, so when I think we, we run the risk of looking at our ministries, whether it's something we're volunteering with at the parish or something that we work for professionally, I think we run the risk of making it more about a job or a livelihood, which it may be uh, over a mission. And so when we ha- face these really big existential questions, I think we have to re- kind of acknowledge that, that we have some fear that a lot of that fear is around what's going to happen to me. That's normal. That's a human reaction. But I think sometimes we don't uh, push through that to get to the bigger mission concern. Um, I was having a conversation just a little while ago with a group of priests and I was offering them some tools and they said, well, this is, isn't this adding a lot of stress in the midst of this pandemic? But do, do people really need more stress? And I, I kind of answered it benignly saying, well, fathers, I think this is a really helpful thing for your people to have. Uh, so that they can have a path forward, that you can give them kind of direction. And they said, oh, no, we were talking about us. And I and I said, OK, well, <laughs> I understand that. Um, and I feel the stress as a leader leading my own organization. But as a leader, we're called to sacrifice. We're called to do what our people need, as as we have in our the example of our Lord. So I just think it's very easy as humans to fall into that trap of comfort over mission. And I think in many ways, we've been in that trap for a number of decades. Um, I think we also are afraid of failing. Um, I think that we don't know how to lead through a pandemic. None of us have ever done that before, right? Um, We weren't necessarily, if we're talking about our priests or even our lay leaders, we weren't formed to be missionaries, right? We were formed to be caretakers (laughs) many ways. And so we don't know how to do it. And and I think people want to feel competent in whatever they're doing. And when they don't feel confident or competent, uh, they are, are more inclined uh, to kind of step back and say, well, I don't, I don't know if we should do that. What they're really saying in their head is, I don't know if I can do that, or I don't know if it'll be successful. And the interesting thing is, that, I mean, in our in our line of work, in our ministry, right? God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful, as uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta said. So um, so as long as we're being faithful, I think, that, I think that's what God wants. But we're so driven to be successful, I'm not sure we've been forced to ask at what cost to us personally do we want to save souls. And I think we have a funny way of rationalizing all the things we do that tell us that we're doing as best as we can. Um, but it's a, it, this is not work that's ever going to be over. This is our lifelong call as disciples. So um, I think we can always do more. And I think we always have to check ourselves that uh, we're willing to actually sacrifice and follow the ultimate model of leadership, which is Jesus Christ on the cross. Um, you know, I always say, I always say when, when I'm with a, a group of priests, especially I point to the crucifix and I say, that's your model of success. That's what success looks like, right? It doesn't look fun. doesn't look easy. Um, it actually doesn't even look that successful. Um, uh, but it looks like emptying yourself. It looks like giving everything that you have, um, for others. And, and so, um, you know i try to remember that for myself and and try to hopefully encourage other people that that's that's the unique opportunity we have as catholics is to have that as our model of success
1: there's obviously going to be this massive outcry let's get everything back to normal let's go back to the way it was let's let's make this thing what we once knew and uh and just call it church again and you've spoken out about this a number of times and i'm just i'm i love your your position on this. I love what you have to say. What What about, let's talk about normal uh, and what normal really is and what, it, what a new normal, and I know everybody doesn't like that term, but what a new normal really could be.
0: I don't think we should be so quick to go back to normal. Um, I don't think that when we, you know, when bishops reinstate the obligation to go to mass across the country, I don't think it's going to be some, one of these Uh, you know, flip a switch and everybody's going to come back. And in fact, I honestly think the worst thing to do is to lead with the obligation. (laughs) I I believe in the obligation. Um, And I, I, you know, I take it very seriously. But for many of our people, they have no concept of an obligation. And and all they need to do is hear the Roman Catholic Church talking about people's obligation during a worldwide health crisis. And it's going to just feed into a narrative that I don't believe is true and I don't believe is helpful. So instead of talking about obligation, talk about this blessing. Talk about this richness that it is to come to liturgy, to celebrate the Eucharist together in a community that supports each other, right? And that believes the same things and that wants the same things for the world. Like That's what people want, and that's what they're gonna be called to. They have no catechesis or understanding or frankly, any care of an obligation. And so let's not go back to that.
1: I'm inspired, uh, genuinely, but I want to know. So I'm a lay person. I'm a member of clergy, and I need a strategy. I want people to come back to church. I want this place to be a home for them. I want the practical, not a theoretical. I want the practical strategy of invitation and evangelization. What What are you telling me as a as a professional, a CEO of a training organization? What are you teaching me in ministry?
0: I've been doing this for 15 years. Um, Simple is better. And so I say the more things we can do with small faith sharing groups, uh, men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, whatever, young adult groups, um, you know, we can do that over Zoom. And and 30 minutes, 45 minutes every week for six or eight guys, I've seen it make a tremendous difference. Bringing those, those men together, but bringing them closer to life in the parish and their life shared together, their families shared together. Um, so I, I think the more we can do and foster things like that, I think that's where we see the greatest fruit in the parishes we get to work with because again, it, it, it's based funda- fundamentally on relationship. I, I think um, trying to speak into people's lives, uh, speak into their fears, uh, what they're worried about, how, to, how do they understand or making sense of life? Um, and this is where I think we go to preaching. You know, our research, uh, which is is staggering, we've surveyed over 225,000 parishioners in 37 different dioceses, 1,255 different parishes. Statistically, in the United States, I as a parishioner am 11 times more likely to recommend my parish if I recommend my pastor. 11 times. I'm four times more likely to say I'm growing spiritually if I like my pastor. Now, no pressure, guys. Right? I mean, it's unhealthy. But the, but the point is, what I try to share with priests is just how important their vocation is, because people are desperate for that relationship with them. I think sometimes there's this narrative that, you know, we're afraid of priests or because of the scandal, that role no longer has any meaning. I, I, that's just not true. Uh, that, that, that vocation has such a power, as do all vocations, to be witness in society. So, whether you're a priest or you're a married couple or you're a uh, uh, religious or anything, any, any vocation, I think if we're witnessing to that in the world and bringing and fostering relationships and holding those people up uh, to bring people back, I think those are some of the strategies that we see working best. I often tell the story that I, we have some neighbors and, and they're, they no longer practice and um, they're not mad at the church or they just don't see it as relevant. And, um, but the guy is fascinated by the fact that I, my job is actually a job. So he asked me lots of questions. And so I try to just answer the questions and learn about their life and their job and what they do. Um, and one time he was asking me a bunch of questions and I said, you know, I'm just curious why you guys don't go to mass anymore. And, and he said, well, it's just, just not that important to me. You know, I just, and, um, but after these conversations, his wife said to me one day, he said, Hey, she said, would it be all right if our family came with your family? uh, to church and because the kids play together and, and I said, like, and of course, you know, me master evangelist, I was like, why, why do you want to, (laughs) why do you want to come back to church? (laughs) Um, yeah, good one. (laughs) Way to nail it. Right. Um, but what she said was, uh, well, we like hanging out with you guys. Like this seems to be real to you. So why not? So it wasn't any profound declaration of faith, and um, and they haven't been, you know, they don't come consistently. But but I think I, I recognize the fact that that for so many of our, our brothers and sisters who aren't practicing, what they need first is to see us living it out, to see it be real for us, and not some weird cult or something that is, you know, long gone by, but something that's very real and relevant and present in our lives. And I think that's going to be the first step to saying, hey, maybe that's something that I check out again, you know?
1: I absolutely, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I have a family like you, and I just think uh, it's not just about obligations and roles and responsibilities and habits and things like that not being at mass changes who we are as a family it changes who we are and i guess if there's a message i would want to give to as many people as possible it's that coming back to liturgy will change your family it'll change who you are it's the eucharist it's the source and the summit um do you teach that i mean is that is that also part of your message not just hey here's good programming and here's a good way to minister but this liturgy thing should it, it should form you it, it it should be so it should be like the air we breathe and just absolutely integral to family life. Is that a message that you are also kind of trying to bring forth in all the great teaching and training that you're doing? You
0: know, when we were, uh, when, when public mass was being shut down and, um, you know, our parish said, we're going to have one last mass, you know, before the two weeks we thought it was going to be right before we resumed again. So we went, we went to, to mass and, um, we have our, our third child is a boy, Peter. Um, and he's six, uh, and, and he, oh, he's six at the time. Um, and he went up to our priest, our parochial vicar, and he said to him, he kind of pulled on his robe and he said, father, he said, can you tell me the words that you say so that I can say them at my house? Cause we can't come. And I thought, you know, so often as parents, I don't know if you, I know you have lots of young children too, but. So often as parents, um, you know, you're, you're kicking and screaming, getting out the door. You're trying to get them there, right? You're trying to keep them quiet. You're trying to go over, you know, religious education stuff with them. And, and you wonder, like, does this matter at all? You know, I mean, even for somebody who works at a church, like, am I doing anything <laughs> that's going to matter for them? And, and to see my son ask this question of the priest and then to see the priest kneel down to him, and say peter you you tell your family to pray that jesus comes into your home and stays in your home that's the words it was just a beautiful image of what i think parish can be and i think it is in so many cases and i think it just needs to be more of that what if we had something to offer The most important question is not, what if they don't come back? The most important question is, what if God is calling me to something greater? We know he is. So maybe the real most important question is, how will I respond?
1: These are the incredible words of Dan Salucci, CEO at the Catholic Leadership Institute. You can listen to his and all the OSV talks at osvtalks.com. We hope you've enjoyed this show. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review our show wherever you like to listen. Contact us at osvtalks.com with your questions and or comments. Friends, innovative thinking is at the core of OSV, and OSV Talks is part of a much larger effort to be a catalyst for Catholic innovation. OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation in partnership with ODB Films, brings you these talks from prominent Catholic leaders to spark discussion, explore new or re-explore old approaches, and inspire creative thinking, all from the heart of the church. Until next time, God bless.